This episode of The Only Podcast About Movies was recorded a little differently. I am in the midst of changing my office and soundproofing uh, systems, so please bear with any slight echoes on my part. Of course, Shahir sounds like butter as per usual. We got a great show coming up for you. Please enjoy Perfect Days. Thanks, buddies. Internet. Next time is next time. Now is now. My name is Matthew Grohl. And is this what modern life is? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Perfect Days. How many of those have you had? Twelve. Twelve in total. Yeah, that's I think. Bad, that's, a, that's not a bad batting average, right? No, I don't think so. Yourself? <laughs> um... You know, as a dad, I know I'm supposed to say the birth of my son is one of these days. I don't know if it was, but but I don't know if you're supposed to say that about the day. Like it could have been great. It could have been terrible. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I think you're supposed to say the birth of your child is one of the greatest days of your life. Uh, Was it a perfect day? I don't know. Uh, I've got some fun stories about that day, but but perhaps (laughs) for another episode. Um, (laughs) um, I'm back. Welcome. Uh, boy, oh boy, in, did you miss... Snared in the web. Uh, you missed the time. you have spun. Yeah. <laughs> How... Uh, I, I listened to the episode, by the way. I listened to the Madam Web episode. Yeah, we I went on like, almost you know two what? hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was like, uh, I'm not going to see this movie uh, anytime soon. But, I, but you know, the funny thing is, I, you guys had a great conversation, by the way. I listened to the whole thing. Shout out to Patrick Willems for, for covering. Patrick Willems, yep. Um... I thought it was a really, really fascinating conversation that got into the insights of the Sony, you know, why, the why right. of the movie. <laughs> right. Um, I, I wasn't exactly sure how bad it was um, by listening to you two. And, and then I, um, I think I was scrolling TikTok and someone had recorded some clips from the movie and the, the subtitle was, we have, this generation has found its new uh, The Room. And I oh, watched absolutely and I like, not. And I watched some of the clips and I was like, I think I kind of see what they're getting at. Um, but I it's didn't understand. N- yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite get how bad is bad. The room. OK, so the room is made w- one way or the other. The, the way I think about the room is there is passion behind it from many involved. Like mm-hmm. it, you, you can actually tell people care. It's not a joke. And that's what makes it funny. Whereas this, where Madam Webb is concerned, I don't think there is passion from nearly anyone in that film. I think some people do a good job at what they were told to do, but I don't think anyone's like, man, this this is the story. Like, I feel like the room is like, well, this is my chance to get into filmmaking or, right. uh, you know, I I even Tommy Wiseau, I think, believes that his life or whatever he's talking about is so moving that it has to be told, even if it's not where this just feels literally like, well, if we don't do something Spider-Man adjacent in, in a certain amount of time, like these rights <laughs> are going away um, between I'll- the room and the happening. Where does it kind of sit? As far as what quality? <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing when I saw when I saw the happening, I think the thing that blew my mind about that is like, how did this film actually make it into distribution? Right. Like how how did it how did how did this transpire? It's well, that's and, just a mystery. Yeah. Whereas this is literally, you can track the 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 trying to keep the rights, 
And look, it, for, for apparently from the news uh, these days, uh, following a long line of layoffs in the video game community, right. uh, Sony Studios is laying off 900 people, including uh, closing down a full London branch. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe they know they need to hold on to these Spider-Man film rights or they're not going to have anything to make money off of anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the movie so far has grossed uh, seventy-eight million five hundred worldwide, according to Box Office Mojo. Uh, I'm not sure what the budget for this movie is. Um, 80, 80 million, I believe. Eighty million. It could be wrong. I'll double check that. But they probably need to make one hundred fifty, one hundred sixty to like make their money yep. back after marketing costs. Who knows if there will be a Madam Web two? There will um, not be. There will not be. Am I going to see this movie at some point? Am I going to need to see this movie? At some no, point? you am don't. Am I going to need to discuss? No. You really do you want don't me to see this movie. Do really I want don't? you to? Yeah. No. I don't no? wish you harm or boredom. <laughs> uh, I, I I I was super thankful Patrick was on because, and not that you couldn't have had the conversation that we did, but like a lot of what I found interesting outside of like the the mechanics of the of the filmmaking studio system, etc., was we were able to sort of counterbalance that with like nerding out about like deep comic book lore based around things. Right. Um, and so I, I, I think if you don't have that. I don't know. There's I'm trying to think of something you could take a value from Madam Webb, like okay. you Shahir, And I, and I, yeah. I think. Maybe the only thing you could take would be like using it as an exercise to seeing like what's the smallest thing you could change to improve it or something like using it as like a a cautionary tale like <laughs> because like there's there is even in the combat like or like in the like flashback scenes or something like it's almost like there's a hint of something that could have maybe been interesting had like either more, you know, let less studio interference or p more people giving a shit like it. Maybe it could have been good, but mm. I don't know it. It th the funniest thing to me and the most enjoyable is Dakota Johnson's press tour. I just think that's been right. a delight. <laughs> anyway, we're not <laughs> well, talking about the Web of Madam today, Shahir. We are not talking about the Web of Madam. We are talking about Vim Vendor's web uh, that he weaves across Japan uh, with his new film, Perfect Guys. It has been a little while since I've seen a Vim, Vim Vendor's film. I feel like um, as far as Vim Vendor's goes, I've only seen essentially what would be the big three. Uh, well, the big two plus one, which would be um wings of desire and um paris texas yeah paris and texas to yeah and then tokyo ga i've seen which i think would be interesting in relation to this film because it is his uh japanese odyssey um and also an important film for me because i um in that film um Vim have you seen tokyo ga no i have not it is a sort of an a documentary essay about him retracing uh, uh, the steps of the cinematic world of Yusujiro Izuzu in um, in Japan. So he's basically going back through his filmography, but talking to people that were involved in his films because his films really affected him. And um, Perfect Days is actually influenced by uh, I think it's called an Autumn Afternoon, uh, an Ozu film, which I have not seen. Mm. Um, but I, when I visited Japan in two thousand and six or seven i want to say i actually tried to do something that was inspired by tokyo ga which was visit the gravesite of yosajiro uzu mm -hmm. um the if you travel if you live in if you have you been to 
visit Japan? Either? I have not, sadly, no. It's it is remarkable, and, and actually watching this movie made me want to go back again. Uh, but if you're in Tokyo, you can catch a train out to Kamakura, which is this beautiful um, sort of um, mini island of with, with temples and things that are actually really amazing. And then uh, while we're on that trip to Kamakura and coming back, a uh, friend said, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, you know, I had heard from someone, from someone, and then I remembered this movie that you could visit this the gravesite of Yosujiro Uzu, which is on the train back from Kamakura. You had to like divert back, catch a bus, uh, do a couple of things. And then it's sort of known that if you visit the gravesite of Yosujiro Uzu, you should um, take with you as a tribute and respect uh, a bottle of alcohol he was a <laughs> famous drinker and leave that bottle of alcohol at his gravesite we were coming back we got the bottle of alcohol we caught the first bus we caught the second bus and then we got there just as the gates were closing so we didn't actually make it through which is a real bummer i will one day go back i but kurosawa is also buried at the same cemetery uh but i as far as like a film excursion would go that's one that would speak to me personally is like not you know like What's an adventure to find this one space? Uh, I haven't watched a lot of Ozu films as well, but I just I thought it'd be something I would enjoy in yeah. terms of like, you know, an adventure I would like to take. Um, and I, but but it was inspired by Tokyo Ga, which is Vendor's uh, trip through through Tokyo and Japan. Um, and so I was excited to see this movie, as not least of which is nominated for best foreign film at the Oscars. Um, I wondered if this was my Madam Web to you. I don't I don't know. I was really curious if like. If I was inflicting this upon you, uh, no, and I didn't, I, I don't think I am. No, because, because there's the love film. and craft here, and I haven't, I hadn't seen it, and I thought it was an interesting uh, film to have a conversation about. But I was really curious as to your opinion on the film and and how it played for you, because I had sort of you know interesting feelings about it. Um, I mean, I'll just say this, you know, lately I've been going to a lot of just because I have to go, just my schedule's stupid as both of ours are. I have to go yeah. to a lot of films by myself at weird times, like to mm -hmm. get it done. And yeah. uh, this one I went and saw by myself. Uh, yep. And this one felt like the most appropriate one to go see by myself in a while. <laughs> like it just it's, it's a quiet film. Well, it's a quiet film, but it's also like a very internal film, uh, obviously, from the character played by uh, uh, Koji y y uh, Yakashiro, I mm -hmm. believe is how it is pronounced. Um, uh, I'm not going to offer any advice because I'm gonna <laughs> uh, who uh, plays uh, Hirayama. Uh, in the film, who is the main uh, protagonist? It it is such a non-analytical, calm, like just like days in the life of a man that you don't learn things about through exposition so much as just following him around for what, like ten days or something like that. Yeah, it feels like a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I gotta say, especially for the vibe of, of just being alone, I, I wasn't alone in the theater. Like there was other people there, but, um, it's fact, I, 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 it was funny. I thought, I thought maybe you sat down two seats away from me. Like oh, really? I, there was a tall man with a beard who sat down and I, I clocked the side and I was like, wait, is that? And I looked mm -hmm. over and it definitely wasn't, but he was like looking at me. So like, that's why I thought it was you. And then like he eventually moved because someone sat in front of him. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, but the. It's funny. Jamie asked me, Jamie saw the trailer for this. Mm -hmm. She didn't see the film. And yeah. she said, uh, you know, in the trailer with the song 
um the Lou Reed song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh she said it seemed like it was a bit saccharine. And I actually said, I think it's the most earnest, heartfelt film that is also the least saccharine. Like, Ooh. I feel like this is like the anti-saccharine. It's yeah, like... The, saccharine is not a word it, I would associate with this. No, and but I a thousand percent agree. The vibe the trailer gave with that song kind of paints it differently um, which hmm. is not a bad thing per se. I don't think that's a, a, a bad thing, but I think the the human element you kind of get from this and the type of storytelling about one singular life, like basically and like just getting to uh, witness tidbits and figure things out or make assumptions for yourself was just really interesting about this man's life. This man who uh on the older side uh whose job was working for the tokyo toilet and was cleaning the public restrooms um throughout uh throughout uh, tokyo and uh obviously you meet other characters through it but it's always through his lens and his routine and i really enjoyed going through the routines with him also depending on the mood he was in based on what was happening like it all felt so relatable and personal. Uh, I don't know. I I I will not say that the film moved me, mm. but I moved with the film. Okay. If that if I could get sort of esoteric about it, this film was, I think, a masterclass at taking you along with a character's journey, and uh, I really did enjoy getting to to spend a week and a half ish uh in hirayama's shoes I, I i thoroughly dug the movie overall what about you well could you tell us what the imdb synopsis for the movie oh, is as well shahir before I, I jump in i thought you would never ask the <laughs> internet movie database says hirayama cleans public toilets in tokyo lives his life in simplicity and daily tranquility some encounters also lead him to reflect on himself uh, like, and it's yeah. funny. I, I, it's the, the last thing I'll say is based on the sacred comment. It is funny. Every promotional thing is just him looking off and smiling. And for yeah. for a lot of this movie, he's not smiling. He's literally. It's just. It's funny that that's the stuff we I keep seeing for everything. Uh, so I could get the vibe. I could get the vibe from that. I um. I, you know, it's funny. I, I think that my thought about the movie was because I asked you to see it. I knew it'd be nominated for best foreign film. Um, I think it was sort of interesting that um, Japan had selected Wim Wenders, a German filmmaker, to represent them at the Oscars, which um, was slightly unusual. But you know, he's a well-regarded filmmaker as well. Um, and I, I kind of was wondering about who the film would work for. And how it would work, mm -hmm. and I didn't. I don't have a clear answer to that. Um, but to our audience who's listening in, the one thing I can say about it is my personal reaction to the film, which is that I think um, there has been in my life, and, and I think the only way to really talk about it is through personal. Uh, reflection because the film and the film is open it's quiet uh ultimately i'll say up front it is not filled with a huge amount of conflict though we get sort of remnants of there might be something underlying this man's life that uh is is 
could be explored, but there is no resolution to that within the film. It is just kind of there for you to display. And like you said, it's a remarkable uh, feat of filmmaking, which is that it is a movie that moves at a really brisk pace that continually propels forward, but essentially covers um, about 10 days in this person's life of which eight are around the same routine every day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's two, two, maybe three occasions where things change and things kind of require some additional uh, insight. But other than that, it is, you know, 10, maybe 12 days of the same thing over and over again. But what I thought was magnificent about it, and again, this is coming from a personal reflection, is I am growing as I grow older, more cynical, more detached from reality, more wondering what the purpose of all of this is, more, you know, and this is nothing special. This is all like middle age crisis kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> but also like, but also like um, I have this like growing uh, distaste for, uh, you know, as one character says in this life, modern life. Um, and it's a reliance on screens and communications and emails and Slack messages and, um, you know, uh, uh, I messages and, and just the constant, the, the lack of alone time. And I think when you said, you know, like this is a movie to see alone, it's also a movie to enjoy the quiet solitude of doing nothing and also at the same time really engaging in finding meaning in the simplicity of everyday life. And that might sound like I'm being, um, uh, you know, the, the Harami's character is a, a toilet cleaner, but yeah. And so what I just said might sound like it's, it's giving that life not much, um, nuance and detail, but he, the way it actually comes across in the film is there's a great dignity in his work. Mm -hmm. Like he really takes pride in what he does the work itself, you know, which is cleaning toilets, has a lot of dignity. And there's a kind of respect and pride in the whole thing. And I think that comes from a couple of things. One is, uh, did you hear the story of how this film actually came about? Uh, like how... I know he was. it was written uh, specifically for uh, Koji. I know that. But other than that, yeah. no. So Vim Vendors got a letter, you know, because Vim Vendors makes documentaries as well quite, quite frequently. He was invited, you know, the Tokyo Toilet is, a, is an actual project. Uh, it is a, a series of 15 to 16 toilets in Tokyo that are designed by architects. Um, and they're meant to be beautiful and meant to, you know, like these are world-renowned architects. I think Tadeo Ando, who's a, uh, one of my favorite Japanese architects, is one of the designers of, the arc, uh, of one of the toilets there. Mm -hmm. And he designs, you know, stadiums, chapels. Uh, he's an incredible... Uh, architect in terms of his play with light um, and so the idea behind the Tokyo toilet project was to find a dignity to what is commonplace um, you know a toilet a public restroom and the project uh, you know Windows was invited to kind of document these projects as as like a documentary he was invited to actually do like a series of short documentaries about each individual toilet with uh, you know maybe a discussion about each individual architect involved and he um, you know kind of turned up spent a few days wandering around started talking to some of the toilet cleaners and said you know what I don't think I want to make a documentary about the toilets themselves but I want to make a documentary about the people that 
these toilets come into play with. Mm-hmm. And and what it did that I thought was really amazing was that it, A, it made me question why we live in New York City, for one, where there is no dignity to like just every day wandering around the streets in New York City. Or toilets in New York City. <laughs> oh, toilets in New... And, and, you know, like it made you go, oh, wow, you can really tell a lot about a culture and a society by the way it dispenses its public works, you know, like mm-hmm. its toilets and, and its public structures and how much respect is in play for these structures. So that, that was just the very first like surface level, just watching him clean these places and go, these toilets are amazing. Yeah. And like really, you know, make you question the, again, for New Yorkers, question the reality of why do we live in New York and what are New York's priorities when you think about how toilet, you know, there's, it's a funny story when you move to New York, there's no public toilets in most places. So you have to kind of discover uh, private institutions like McDonald's and Starbucks and things like that. that Get have that code, that baby. Access to. Or uh, as I've discovered, by the way, uh, furniture stores, large uh, furniture stores, especially the swanky ones like West Elm and those things have excellent toilet facilities. Um, uh, so uh, if you're a New Yorker, they have, there you go. Um but but you know there's a kind of dignity to life in in this film and then hiriyama's story himself um there's a word that i think i didn't stick around for the credits but it comes up in the credits um but the word is korambi i believe it is and uh, uh, apologies for my mispronunciation there um or komorebi and it means um sunlight filtering through the trees mm-hmm. And that is something that uh, Hirayami is constantly looking at, yep. taking photographs of, and most importantly, enjoying. And it's it's a word that actually has no English translation, and it is it is a state of solitude, and comfort, and my, and presence that I think we, you know, we might have a sort of way of describing. But it is you know it's beautiful that there is a singular word for it. And that singular word is also how this film kind of operates, which is there's a kind of beauty and peacefulness to just watching this man go about his daily life. Oh, yeah. We have an app and, for all that here. We don't need the word. We just have an app. Oh, what's the app? Oh, it's, it's yeah. you know, there's a thousand wellness ones. I feel like uh, we can just, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and it's it's watching him just sit and breathe was quite... I needed it in my life is is what I'm saying. You know, like I needed those two hours where I didn't have to look at my phone and I didn't want to look at my phone and didn't want the outside world around. I needed these two hours. Now, I don't know if this film is going to work for everyone because as I say, it's a film really about a man wandering about his daily life without much conflict. There is some inner inner uh, inner life to him and there's some inner... Um, turmoil that we witness him experiencing but really what we're here for is the presence of as you said next is next now is now and just living in the now and i loved it i kind of loved it for that it is like it's not i don't think it's quite like any other movie we've discussed on this podcast um because again it moves briskly it moves at sort of such a frequent pace but it is really about just a presence of being in the now. And and I, you know, I just needed that. I needed that in my life at this moment. It was really nice. The the way that you, it's funny you bring up the pace of it because it does move briskly, but it's never fast. I, that it's no. like an odd thing, but you're it's it's hard to sort of quantify. It's continually moving forward. Yeah. And you're like, you, it's never sitting in a moment, but it's like not, 
It's not rushed, but it's, it's not sitting in micro slow. moments. It doesn't like yeah. it's it's not like um, I'm trying to think of some examples that we've talked about. Like it's not as uh, it's not like it's it's taking you through a full day of this man's life. It's definitely highlighting the moments that either not challenge him, but like anything that's outside of the park where he eats lunch. But even there, we get the things that take him out of the calm, right? Even if it's just like, oh, I'm going to take the picture today or, oh, there's a woman eating lunch or I'm sitting with my niece. Like we, we get those moments, right? We get the yeah. things that are slightly out of routine, it feels like. Like just those tiny moments, even though the whole thing is routine. But you know what I mean? Like something that's like mic- a micro change. And yeah. um I it's funny, right? Uh, it's probably like what halfway through when his niece just shows up on like day four. And yeah. Also, side note, I keep I'm going to like fake number these days. I love yeah. that they didn't number these fucking days. There was no titles. They just had like his is his dream sequence of literally light through the leaves or whatever. Right. Like it was just like it reset. And there was sometimes an image or two that might have to do with what he was going on before, what you imagine is in his mind. And then one night he comes home. Uh, and his niece who had run away from home is just there and yeah. he hadn't seen her in years. And then they just have like a nice day. She goes to, I think they have night two days, really. Yeah. Two days. She comes with him to, to work, to, to work because she's got nothing to do. Yep. Um, and then on the second day, her mother turns up. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, his, his sister, <laughs> his sister. And, and that's when you kind of like hint, there's a bigger story at play here. Oh yeah. Cause she's but- loaded. She comes with a driver in a gorgeous car. Yeah. And she mentions and, to him like, oh, so you're cleaning toilets. Yeah. She said, I heard you're cleaning toilets. Is that true? Yeah. In in a way that makes you go, this is not, uh, you know, and it, it's difficult to sort of define it, but it like, it seems like it's the choice to clean toilets as is out of the ordinary for what may this person's life may be. It sounds, and there was a, I'm trying to remember, there's something about their father who might've been sick or dying or, or something. Yeah. Um, but they definitely this family definitely had money and you can only imagine like maybe there's a falling out or he didn't want to be a part of it or there's just something that he didn't like. And so he just went off and did his own thing. Um, there, I don't know if you guys have had this as well. Like I, I always thought this was sort of a myth making, but I was at the um, at, at Victoria University. There was the guard. There was a gardener that was always there that everyone kind of went through and talked to as well. And there was always this famous story that he was an incredibly wealthy man that had just chosen to become a gardener in his late in later in life. And this was just a, t- you know, a job he took to kind of occupy his time. Mm-hmm. I always thought, I-, I never knew if it was a true story or not, but like watching Koji in the, or Hirayama in these scenes made me think about that gardener because I wondered if that was the case with him. But also at the same time, I think the film, the film, is smart enough not to try and lead you down that road right because it's really just about it doesn't matter what his story is it right. doesn't matter what his great if he has a great trauma or anything in his life all that matters is he's here now and in, and in the moment of living his day-to-day life there's really four major moments all around different characters in this movie yeah. there's his assistant who eventually quits yeah. uh, and he has to borrow money from for a date with, I think, a woman who works in a club. Yeah, uh, there is the niece. Yeah. There is the, um, the the niece's mother, his sister. And then there is the man he talks to 
who he he goes to a restaurant, I guess, on like I, I was I'm just guessing, but like one day a on week his days off on his days off. He goes to yeah. this thing and he kind of flirts a little bit with the with the hostess or the owner or whatever. Yeah. And he sees this man go in and like ha- embrace this woman and he gets embarrassed and he leaves. Then the guy randomly finds. I think the only part of the movie that didn't feel real was that that mm-hmm. dude just randomly found him. Sure. Uh, but what, sh- I'll take it. And you yeah, find yeah, out I'll take it. You find out that that dude is dying and it's an ex-husband and he was just wanted to see her again, even though he's already married and whatever. And and then they like play shadow tag and like <laughs> it's it, this it's all a, sounds did, did, this all sounds trite a little bit, but like it, the way that it is presented to you is so just skillful and deliberate and and turning small things into just meaningful moments because at the end i god i am a broken fucking record but that goddamn angel quotes like if nothing we do matters and all that matters is what we do and like when you see this dude who like just sort of is sharing his beer and cigarettes even though both of them don't smoke uh (laughs) with this guy who at first he was like oh this is a he might be into this woman that like and again side note everything with uh hirayama is is so minimal you only get a hint of what he, like what the history is or what he's feeling you get the sister asking about the toilet showing up in the big car but you don't ever deal with like wherever their socioeconomic family structure is you get he gets embarrassed from this woman but at the same time like you don't really know their history together um the the gentleman who is his assistant feels like there's some history there too it just from working together at the tokyo toilet but like it that doesn't truly come into play other than he lets him borrow money like i I like i mean there's something i think sort of quite charming about the fact that hiriyami has cassette tapes in his car yes and it's quite a collection of cassette tapes and the assistant realizes that the cassette tapes may have value and yeah. takes them to this like one store that acknowledges that these cassette tapes are valuable yeah and he doesn't but hiriyama doesn't want to sell them yeah to, and to, uh, the assistant takashi played by uh tokai uh tokyo uh emoto i'm gonna butcher yeah. that too I and and there is kind of a moment that happens after that which is that Hiriyama gives uh, Takashi some money to go out on his date rather than sell his cassette tapes. And then on the way home, runs out of gas and has to figure out how to uh, how to get gas into his car the next day. Yep. And he, but at no point does he want to sell the cassette tapes. It's just like, no, these are these. I like these. These mean a lot to me. But he's not. The great thing about it is he's not a collector. He's not a guy who's like putting these away so no. that they can accumulate value. He just likes listening to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, um, there's something sort of quite beautiful about that. In fact, the young girl, um, Takeshi's girl, uh, you know, potential girlfriend, uh, she gets slipped a, a Morrissey tape or... Um, does uh, she take it or does... does does Takeshi, I think, puts it in her bag. I thought bag, so, her too. Bag. Yeah. And, but then she comes back with it because she's got this cassette tape, which she has no way to play. And so she sits in the car and listens to the song with yeah. the, with him again and then and then gives him a little kiss and walks off. And it was like, you know, the uh, it, what's weird is that what Matt and I, for the listener, what Matt and I distilled sounds like a lot of story. This is distilled over the course of two hours, some two hours and does not accumulate in the way that we're talking about it is these little vignettes that are quite lovely and quite beautiful and and quite surprising so you know the the scene we were just talking about where 
uh, he meets the other man who has developed cancer and wants to see his wife one last time. His ex-wife, yeah. Uh, his ex-wife. There's a, so when when Hiryama sees this man and and, and the the restaurant hostess uh, embrace, he gets quite embarrassed, leaves on his bike immediately, quite surprised. And then it's for the first time ever we see him buy alcohol mm-hmm. and cigarettes and he drinks them really rapidly. And I was like, oh, is this the downfall of this man or is this the trauma that is coming back? But it doesn't actually become that. No. He eventually- you know, I, I mean, and I was just reading it that way, and I just don't know. But, like, you know, he smokes a cigarette, and it's like he's never smoked a cigarette in his life. He's just coughing um, the whole time. And and so is the other guy as well. Um, but it's like, you know, I, the, the movie is so masterful at, like, inviting us to be present in the moment mm-hmm. that when those moments change – we kind of get shocked, you know, like when we hear that his Lou Reed tapes are worth 380 yen or something like that, you're like, oh no, don't sell those tapes, man. And then like, right. you know, he doesn't, and it's like, oh God, I'm so glad you didn't sell those tapes. But it's 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 just about being present. And then I found like him riding a bike, him looking up at the sunset while eating his like sandwich and In the drinking his like, yeah, yeah. And drinking his like little quart of milk that, you know, like in a, in a milk carton was just like it made me happy I also it made wanna, me feel you know like happy about his presence i also want to it's funny when when discussing it and this is the wrong term i have to figure out a different one i also yeah. don't want to make it come across for those people who haven't seen it as sort of like the infantilization of a middle-aged to old man it's yeah. not like it, this is this character is it's not like oh it's so cute what he's doing it's mm. we're watching a person go through their life and you're getting to experience small moments in it that affect him in small or sometimes very rarely large ways. Yeah, it's and again, I think it goes back to making sure that like even though I do feel like the advertising for this film could be considered saccharine, it does the, the film itself does an excellent job at not like. This isn't just the story of a cute little old man going through his routine, even though you could, if you were trailerifying this kind of who collects cassette tapes and runs into his knee, like you could very easily see this be that. And it's not. And and it's because of the craft that's sort of on display, I think, truly from uh, uh, the direction of, of is it whim? Wim? Wim. Yeah, it's Wim, Wim but I oh. because he's German, I would yeah. say Wim. Uh because you just get like I don't know, you get you get someone crafting this story that we are given that you can tell understands that oftentimes there are there's so many moments in our own lives, I think, that we just sort of like breeze by. Because life, like as you said, you hear modern life is is fast and bullshit and it's annoying and it bleeds into our system and we don't get a chance to, uh, you know, we don't get a Truly chance to, 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 to either disconnect or reflect on, on our own lives in a way. Mm-hmm. And and the closest that I've gotten to in a while, honestly, was what was who get it wasn't my life I was disconnecting with, but it was it was uh, Hirayama's life. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think to your point about not infantilizing him or or making it seem like 
the movie's looking down on him as well is that the movie vendors in his um in his direction and i think maybe because of the way the project was yeah. started by the to- to- uh, tokyo toilet um um company whatever they are maybe they're a collective i don't know i'm not entirely sure um i'm not a toilet scientist there's a a real sense of dignity to his work you know like there's a real sense of like it is imp- what he does is has meaning and is important and should be taken with the kind of um craftsmanship that we would expect from you know like an artisan of some kind it's funny. like there's I, I agree slash disagree. And okay. the only th- I think there is dignity. There's one scene that I think suggests otherwise. Well, no, no. Let me finish my thought. There yeah. is yeah. dignity in this man's working. Mm-hmm. Not the work. He takes, pr- you can tell he takes pride in the work. And they're not saying that the job itself doesn't have dignity to it too. But I feel like what I, what I experienced was a man who, no matter what he chose and he chose to do this. I mean, that is some information we do get, right? Like it seems like should he choose something else, he could have options, but he has chosen for whatever reason to do this. Yeah. It, it, it shows how this man I think would bring dignity to whatever it is he is doing. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not saying the job itself is dignified or not dignified. It's, we get this dude's, for lack of a better term, kind of work ethic. Um, he believes it. it look, if he, what I got is if he's going to do a job, it's going to be the best goddamn job that he can do. I, I, I think maybe I'm also reading into the fact that the the places that he uh, happens to clean are designed with care mm. and have a, you know, like, like that thing we were talking about in terms of the public works of New York city, for example, <laughs> where our public works, you know, like our public toilets would be treated with a kind of, um, assembly line production that has no meaning. It is purely functional. Right. Whereas these toilets are aesthetically chosen, have mm-hmm. functionality are, have a sort of openness of spirit to them as well, which sure. is that they are public toilets, but they're for everyone. And, they they imbue our community with a sense of pride in who we are and and how we treat um you know i think i think there's a there's great articles on like um the history of the of the sewerage system of rome and mm-hmm. the idea that public toilets uh and and the development of public toilets was kind of a major feature of civil of the growth of civilized society through western cultures yes uh and eastern cultures as well um but like it's that idea that like we all have this bodily function but if we we can either treat it like um purely perfunctory and uh get in and out of the most disgusting kind of like uncared for bathroom that you would see in new in a new york city public park which is where i often spend time because i have a a young child and i often think is like we don't want to take our child to the to the toilet in a public park because it's gross but in this film in these toilets there's a sense that these places have a kind of weight to them and an importance to them and the cleaning of them is not simply perfunctory, you know. Like he, he even he's even described as bringing his own tools to the job. Yeah, he bringing has his gadgets. own unique thing, his own gadgets to actually doing it. And there's clearly because you see Takeshi and him doing it. There's a process that they've been trained upon to do it as well. And also, like when somebody comes into the toilet, there's a kind of you know a, a sort of pleasant exchange. And excuse me, I apologize. I will leave while you continue yeah. with what you do and I will wait outside and then return. And he, like, he is not 
he's not put out by this. No. He sees it as part of the process. He also sees, I think he likes it. Like, I think it's funny because he gets to. He takes a, yeah, that somebody uses the toilet, well, right? No, 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 no. I don't, no, see, that's, again, I think that's where I, I, disagree, I, I disagree or right. whatever. I think he likes it again because I think he likes doing good work, but then he gets to go outside and just have a moment to himself. Like, oh, I took because he kept always like looking up and just sort of th- like it's sort of whatever. Like, I never saw that as like, oh, man, I'm glad they're enjoying taking a shit. Like, I <laughs> I, I took it as like it, not that he minded that either, but that wasn't yeah. the the like the 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 cherry on top, if it were. I thought it was just like he gets like a five minute break. He's like, isn't this job great? I get to do all this stuff. And then randomly, oh, I get to uh, fuck off for a second. This is awesome. Like, <laughs> well, but he doesn't, though. He He waits outside. Remember but he daydreams. He like he like looks yeah. up. I'm not saying fuck, but I'm just like he he he's doing the polite thing. Exactly there, what you're there's describing. There's one sequence where a young child is lost in one of the toilets, mm-hmm. and he takes that young child and he like you know takes him outside looking for his mother. His mother turns up eventually, and she kind of immediate. She like just ignores Doesn't, him. Yeah, like she ignores him. She she like he's nothing. And then like. Once she's seen that the the toilet cleaner had my son's hand, she immediately pulls out hand sanitizers, cleans the child's hands, and then walks off without you know acknowledging or saying thank you to this man whatsoever. Now, again, I think in a lesser film, that might be a point of anguish for this character because it's about his place in the world and where it exists. But he just kind of smiles politely, chuckles to himself as the little boy waves goodbye, and then goes back about his day. Because she, though- he realizes it's not about the woman, it's about the kid. It's like, yeah, it feels- and it's, just, and it's nothing, yeah. and it is nothing to him. Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of, I just loved, um, I love the sort of smile on his face as he happily, you know, went about his day. And then like, I also loved the kind of, um, the, you know, cause there is a day when Takeshi decides to quit and he has to clean more toilets by himself and it's, you know, he gets out late so like, he can't do his stuff. Yeah, and he's like, I, I'm not doing this again kind of thing. Um, but I loved his days off. You yep. know, I love the routine of his days off, which was like, I'm going to go to the laundromat right now. I'm going to go find a, a new book. He reads three books in this film. Yeah. And, and then, you know, like each one is like a new adventure for, for the audience. You know, like <laughs> what is the book he's going to pick up right now? Did his bathhouse get torn down? Yes. The, I, 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 I was quite, I, I that- know the scene. He comes back to what... I think is the bathhouse and it's just gone. And I, I I think it was the bathhouse. I'm not entirely sure. Um, It's sort of quite surprising because it'll be like, well, there must've been like um, bulldozers come in overnight because when I mean gone, it's like where once there stood a building is now just tarpaulin on the ground and no remnants of that building whatsoever. Um, But I liked him just riding around on his bicycle and like, stopping in at his favorite restaurant and getting a meal and then you know reading part of his book and i liked i liked his nighttime routine of just like reading part of his book until he got tired putting the book to one side putting his glasses to one side um i liked him going to a bookstore and only going to the dollar book section and it was like there was a joy in this idea that even in the in the least valued of texts uh on the shelf there is like little pleasures for him to enjoy so i think at first he has a faulkner book of poems he has a book called the tree which is by uh, a japanese writer named ayao koda who i don't know uh and then the last one is um he picks up a book of patricia highsmith uh, short stories and his niece 
uh, reads a story called The Terrapin, um, which she says reminds her a lot of he- of herself. And then in that story, it's about a uh, a young boy who is ha- who has a extremely difficult relationship with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, there's like these little clues of like what the outside story might be, but but they're not really that important you know like yeah what's important is prison i mark kermode um you know i think maybe i I think i can't remember he was quoting someone or if this was his own thoughts but he said it's it's almost as if mindfulness was a movie um and you know this was this was just immediate mindfulness as as played out as a movie and it was just about the presence of now and and i kind of i didn't realize i kind of needed that in my life Mm -hmm. until i was sitting in the theater and I wanted to immediately throw away my phone and just like be in this movie and just kind of enjoy it. I didn't know if anyone, you know, I'm glad that it's getting accolades and it's been nominated for an Oscar. I don't care if it wins or it doesn't win, but I I could kind of happily say that this is a movie I would recommend to someone having a tough time or having a difficulty in accepting the now, which is myself in many moments, uh, you know, I'm often trying to think of what to do in the future or how this plan is going to affect that plan or, you know, like in Dune, plans upon plan, plans within plans. Um, but this is a movie just about like now is the now and and that's all we need to worry about. And, you know, it it's kind of lovely for just being being that it's, it's really it's really hard to kind of summarize it as anything more than that. Yeah, it is. It, it is it at once deeply eloquent and also incredibly simple yeah i think it's funny i i don't think this is a ubiquitous film that i would suggest someone having a tough time or feeling sort of um uh like modern life is 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 messing with them or something i think it depends on that person's life specifically because at the end of the day with what we're presented with you're like this whole movie is is you know with the return of john stewart our moment of zen uh <laughs> but like he also it is very clear especially a little bit halfway through that like this man has options and he is choosing this hmm. um and while there is so much beauty and kind of um uh, mindfulness and pride and, and just like, uh, you know, like the enjoyment of, of of experiencing a life and not just experiencing joy in a life, but like the ups and downs, and the disappointments and the and the slight slights and the nice surprises and et cetera. Like that's all there. But I wonder, like, I feel like I can relate to this movie because, you know, I come from a place of privilege and uh I do feel like the modern world is annoying as fuck most of the times because I'm an old man now. And, uh, you know, there's a sort of like the, it, I mean, it's, it's the fantasy. I think that most of the city people in the sixties and seventies sort of had like, Oh man, when I'm done, I'm just going to go get a farm. I mean, honestly, the, my the grandfather, Henry, the, the Walden, the Henry yeah, David Thoreau of it all. My grandfather did that. He, yeah. he used to work for the government doing Star Wars satellite defense system stuff. And then he just went and bought a farm like like so like but all of these things sort of come from a, a place of privilege and choice. So like I, I think there's a, a slight and I, I can't speak from any side other than sort of where I'm at. But I think there would be some differences depending on people's situations. I think there's something that you can glean 
from this movie regardless, but certain things might read differently in different contexts from different people. I'd be yeah, curious look. about that. Email us in only movie podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I, I think I, I, I can see what you're saying. Um, and I, you know, like I visited Tokyo and I had wrote, you know, and I loved it. And I certainly had rose tinted glasses about the entire experience yeah. because I know, uh, you know, like people who live there say it's very difficult to live there as well. Um, and, but what I read from this film is both that there is a societal construct within the world that Hiriyama lives in that takes that embraces the idea that there is dignity in his work. Mm -hmm. There's a societal construct that these toilets, you know, again, toilets are beautiful spaces and sacred spaces and should be for everyone. And then but the they also time, are toilets that are designed by crazy uh, architects and the highest end toilets in probably the world. Perhaps. Yeah. But they're also accessible by to everybody. Yes. That's, <laughs> to yep. everybody. And, you know, there's homeless people in the movie outside the toilets. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to an interview with Wim Wenders on um, the big picture with Sean Fennessy where he was talking about, you know, it's the, the toilets really are for everyone. Yes. As a as a as a society together, the city of Tokyo has decided that these spaces should be accessible for everyone and and for everyone. And that is very, very different, again, to New York City, again, which makes it, like, impossible to use. It's about all about societal stuff, too. Like, this yeah. movie would not work. Like, the plot of this movie would not be able to exist or the, the, the effectiveness in the United States. 100%, yeah. Because, and, because you can tell a lot from a culture based on how it values and takes care of literally everybody, not just the few. And yeah. even though, look, we could, I just brought it up. Like we could bring up like, oh, these are fancy toilets or whatever. Da, 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 da. It's also, they're, they're not only letting everyone access it, but they are paying uh, people to treat them like museums when cleaning them. Like, and, and those people seem to, at least the ones that we, well, other than Takeshi, perhaps. Um, yeah, it's a, he's a jobber. Yeah, but seem to be able to have a life, yeah. you know, like afford an apartment. I don't think Takeshi's um, good with his money. I'll, I'll say that maybe not. <laughs> right up top. <laughs> He's not investing in Lou Reed cassette no, tapes no. very well. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I can certainly see that there is a, a degree with which um, you could sort of view this with a kind of rose-tinted sense of at capitalism at working at its finest here because you know tokyo is full of inequalities tokyo has problems tokyo has homelessness issues and 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 inequalities within itself um but i think to read what the film is not talking about it does a disservice to what the film is talking about which is the appreciated appreciation of the moments around you that don't come with a huge cost right you know they don't come with a huge um, personal cost or even financial cost. All they require in the case of Hiriyami is just to look up, you know, like, and, and it brings a smile to his face. And, and I think that's what the film is really getting at is that all that's required to be present is to look up. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, and I think the, that is what bring, brought a smile to my face is him just looking up and taking joy in, in what was above him. He's also a bit of a hoarder. 
<laughs> is he though? He's a he. Uh, he's a collector oh, with his photos. I think it's very very funny. But you know, I couldn't quite understand because he he shoots on film yep. for one, and yep. he shoots on an old Olympus camera. So he's got again the movies. Phil, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Mark Pagan, about like my love of process movies in terms of movies that show you like a a working process, and like this movie's just filled with all those little yeah. working processes. Like, and it's stuff that we used to have to do because you and I are old. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you got film in a camera. You had to bring it in, you would wait have a to week. take it to a store. You would give it to the person. They would put it in this little baggie. It would be back in like seven days or three days if you paid extra, and you would get another roll of film in the meantime. Um, and it was just like that's a process, you know. And then he'd take, he'd go home, and that's when he would see the photographs for the first time. Is when he pulled them out of that little envelope that he'd sent away, and he rips up, he rips away three or four or five of them that he doesn't feel like add to whatever this collection is but in his bedroom he's got a collection of photographs that are presumably of just sunlight through the trees not even people and and they will not mean anything to most people except for him and and then i love that like he the the one sort of stylistic choice that the movie really makes is that between every day is a black and white interlude of his of of what may be kind of him decompressing or dreaming yeah. through things that are affecting him and they're like they're very abstract they get uh, you know like he gets a little concerned for his niece at some point in her life and you know she pops up in his in what i would call his dream sequence um but it's not you know it's he's not wandering through inception or anything like that trying no. to figure out how to make sense of this all it's just these little asides um and in fact and then the other thing that i think that's that's the probably the most I mean, maybe the most challenging thing is that the movie has no resolution to any of this. It is just, you know, like it doesn't, there's not even a sense of like why the movie ends when it does. It just ends and it ends in a really lovely place. Um, but I'm not even sure why it was that particular moment that it chose to end. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I agree. We can, re- we can make a reading of it. Yeah. But it's not like building up to anything. No. I, I well, <sighs> I bet I bet you, honestly, we could probably find I I would posit it actually might be building up to something, even if it is just sort of um, the culmination of like literally just appreciating the sunlight through the leaves or whatever it is. Like, I think there there is because like, the last major moment is with the guy playing shadow tag, mm-hmm. right? And then there's uh, you the, know, the, the light through their, uh, you know, yeah, reflecting on the ground. Yeah, like, and, they, and there's a it, when they do the shadow tag, they do that interesting thing, which is that he's asking, he asks a question, which is, does my shadow plus your shadow equal a greater darkness? Yeah, and they don't. Yeah, because he's like, there's right? so the whole the whole question is like, I'm not ready to die. He's like, there's so much stuff I don't know. He's like, so like, does a sh- does two does a shadow and a shadow make it darker? And he goes, well, yeah. let's find out. And then they yeah. and then they play shadow and it's funny because I actually I was just on I was a guest on a podcast uh, mm-hmm. Trace who is going to hopefully be in our Dune episode coming up um, okay. uh, and and uh, they have a, a podcast that's basically about um, science questions. And it's mm-hmm. all about learning. And that, that that question seems like something like silly science questions. That, that And that seems like something that would be. Like really, yeah. really vibe with that. I asked my question that I brought to them was, "Why is ice slippery?" 
Okay. Uh, because yeah. they're there for the longest time. Honestly, I think until 2021, there was no definitive answer. Right. Um, but regardless, like the, the it's, it's those things that we think we understand in the way we exist in the world. And then yeah. you realize, wait, so how does this thing work? Like the, 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 the youth, the Gen Z version of this would be like an iPhone. I could, I could just Google the answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but they like, just stand. Yeah. They just stand and go, wait, does it work? Well, well you know? but, but also like, I, you know, what I think back to weirdly, um, maybe this is again, me being an old man. Like I used to know in and out deeply how to build PCs. I know right. roughly now the structure and I can do it. You know, it's, yeah. it's fine. Um, and I understood how operating systems worked and I knew that you could go in and adjust things. Yeah. iPhones and the way people use computers now is specifically designed for you not to be able to, to, do that. to do that. Yeah. And yeah. and it's interesting because it's so in this film, going back to it, does our, my shadow on your shadow make the shadow darker is such a like you think when you ask that question, like you get an instant in your brain, like, well, yeah or no. Like, mm -hmm. of course, you get an of course, no matter what it yeah. is. It's kind yeah. of like when you're using something every day for complex tasks, but you don't understand how it works. And it, you're, it, you're not you're not invited to ponder how it works. Right. And all this movie yeah. does is invite you to ponder how life works. Yeah. And, and I I. <laughs> I don't know. This movie's cool as hell. I really did enjoy it. I I love like uh, for example, just in that in that same context of Gen Z versus whatever, is that he spends part of his day off winding up his cassette tapes with a pencil, and at one point he plays a song for his niece, and she asks him, "Is this on Spotify?" And he's his response is, "I don't know where that store is." He goes, is. "Yeah, where's that store?" <laughs> and she just laughs at him, and it's so yeah. fun. That was going to be my quote too. Uh, yeah, but but I, but it's like, but it kind of you know to your point about an operating system, for example, uh, it's true, and this will date us again because uh, I thought I, I I I don't know in what context I heard this. I feel like I may have overheard someone having this conversation mm -hmm. rather than me actually hearing this uh, directly. But they were, it was a person, and I feel like it was in a coffee shop, who was a um, taught computer science. And they said, there's an interesting thing that's happened, which is that um, the generation before the iPhone generation understood that a computer could be taken apart and understood that in order to, you could interface with a computer through a command line. Yep. And the generation that has grown up on iOS and apps has no understanding of that because the, for them there is there are never there's never an opportunity to actually open up Spotify as a command line. Yep. And to like change directories as a command line or or something like that. And so they haven't really I was you know they don't necessarily understand how a computer works and they're like they're not as apt at uh, computer science because they've never you know their main interface is through the actual app which is very directed. I was talking to even someone I forget who it was it was someone who like so it was hiring an intern and the yeah. intern didn't understand what file structures were. Yeah, cuz they don't because they've to. never fucking had to deal with it. Like a file yeah, yeah. structure, either a PC or a Mac. Like they just don't like they just saved their shit because they were on like a two terabyte hard drive and they never have to worry about it. They can just search for the file name. Like they like yeah. it's so crazy. This has been Matt and Shahir are old. Um, <laughs> Matt and Shahir are extremely old. But 
What's delightful about this film is that here is a character who is all analog in a digital world, mm-hmm. you know, and and what a <laughs> and Matt, you're right. Perhaps it in, it's infantilizing to like think about him as like uh, where what is Spotify, you know, like what, right. what store is Spotify? It's a guy who doesn't know, you know, like. But the film never actually makes him. It never forces him to like try and write an email. No, or, or never forces God. him to like. You know, like the most technology he ever interacts with is the coffee machine outside his house where he buys the same, is it Boss Coffee yeah. every day? Yeah. It was like, but with the Hugo Boss logo. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, they must make coffee. I'm maybe. sure they do. Um, but like the movie never forces him to interface with a world beyond what he knows. Yeah. And never makes an issue out of it. Although his toilet, the toilets that he does clean look incredible in terms of like their technology level. And you know what? He gets to play tic-tac-toe and that's a delight. Yeah, Um, he plays tic-tac-toe. And we never meet the person who who he plays tic-tac-toe with. It's great. And all that's the only takeaway from that that I think is delightful at the end of that tic-tac-toe game, which takes four days. And every now and again, I'm always like, what is what's going on with this tic-tac-toe game? Has Has he bested her? And I'm presuming it was the woman that was sitting next to him in the park. But it's but it may not be. And all there is at the end of it is just like a thank you. Yep. Thank and he leaves a picture, right? Is that what happens or I'm making that up? No, he just he just folds it up, puts it back. No, I thought he leaves a picture in the spot. Maybe he didn't. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think he did. I, th- I felt like I don't know. I'm I'll not have to watch exactly it again. Sure. That's the other thing. I will watch this movie again. I think this movie yeah. is very much worth repeat viewings or just single viewing if you haven't already seen it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. Both Sheer and I fans yeah. Uh, and if you've gotten this far and not wanted to watch, it's funny. We talk through all the things. Nothing we said, I think, can actually spoil it. Like no, there's no so. I just it's just you're going on the ride of a, of a man's life. It, there's an irony to the fact that you probably listen to this as a digital podcast uh, through Spotify or some other technology technology. Uh, you may be on Letterboxd giving this movie five digital stars or something like that. Listen, and this is about a person who just reads books at the dollar section of his bookstore. When um, when we inevitably start our Patreon, there'll be a hundred dollar <laughs> tier, and then what we what you'll get for that hundred dollar <laughs> tier is I will record this podcast onto a cassette tape, just this episode, <laughs> and yeah. I will mail it to you. Uh, that's what it is. That's what you get. Anyway. Yeah, that's far li- w- less worse than what I thought it was going to be, which was that we would have to handwrite out our comments. Oh, fuck oh, no. <laughs> Come on. What, a, what do I hate myself? Anyway, this has been the only podcast about the film Perfect Days. Shahir, when you are not uh, having a perfect day with nothing standing in your way, where can folks find you? Oh, you can find me driving down the highway, listening to the Velvet Underground on my website at www.shahirdad.com or my company site, suvanova.com. That's E-C-U-V-A-N-O-V-A. Matt, when you... Oh, sorry. Did you understand how he cleaned his floor, by the way, with the newspapers? Yeah. Did you? I've never seen that before. When you... Okay, so after you've given me your blurb... How do you, Matt, how do you clean floors with wet newspaper? You can find me <laughs> using wet newspaper. It has to be on the that the specific kind of like corrugated flooring that like right. it, it can because it can soak up dirt as well over on my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works from 12 years ago. Or check out the good works we were doing over uh, an extra history and extra credits. I believe by the time this comes out, there will be 
we'll be nearing the end of our Sitting Bull series, and then we'll be getting into Jim Thorpe, which we're doing a one-off of, who is the greatest athlete to ever live. And then mm-hmm. over on credits, I believe we will be dealing with, oh, we are dealing, we're going to be releasing an episode uh, three days after this comes out on um all of the layoffs in the games industry and why we think that's happening and uh, what we think about the future and what companies should be doing possibly instead. So please check all that out next week. There'll be a movie. Well, we are. So I did the math. Yes, uh, we are 50 episodes of our sort of 52 that we do before um, before we do our best of. Well, we got Dune probably next week. Dune is coming out. Um, that's definitely a 2024 movie. Sure. Uh, so yeah, interesting, interesting dilemmas we're in. The Oscars are coming up as well. We did, have we done an Oscars episode? Did we do an Oscars episode last year? I can't remember. Uh, I think we did it in combination with our top. That makes sense. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking that would make more sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, only movie podcast at gmail.com. Tell us, is there anything else that you want us to see before we do our top tens, or God damn it, just do our top tens and get it out. Yeah, of the I way. think that's that, probably what they're going to say. But who knows? Is that, is that what you're trying to say? Um, but yeah, I. But you know, again, this is why we keep our top tens a little bit late because then we can include films like this that we wouldn't have ordinarily included. This is why we do our top tens of the previous year in September of the current year. Yeah, we're, that, eventually we're going to get to a point where we're exactly one year behind. One year away. That's really what it should be. Yeah. Anyway. One year next week we'll either be talking to you from Arrakis or somewhere else Uh, yeah talk to you later bye bye